I V M. Welcome to the Equity Sahiya podcast with Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. This podcast will delve into the investment insights and philosophies of Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company and speak about the frameworks used by them to assess various sectors for investment. Folks, welcome to the show. My guest today is Shay Lunkar, Senior VP and Fund Manager PMS at Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. And the topic for today's episode is India's automobile sector. Shay, welcome to the show. We've had such a good journey so far. You've helped our listeners in understanding complex sectors like banking, life insurance, general insurance. Today's topic, I believe, is even more interesting. It involves one of those sectors which I think touches all our lives. It's also a very big uh, contributor to the economy in terms of GDP or in terms of employment. That's the automobile sector, right? And I want to talk about the automobile sector, specifically the consumer-facing part. Okay? So I know the automobile sector is massive. It's diverse. In fact, there's a part of it that's even going to grow even more in the future, the electric vehicle sector. But for the purposes of this episode, let's just stick to the consumer-facing part, which is essentially four-wheelers or what we call passenger cars and two-wheelers. Okay, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Anupam. So, as you said rightly, auto is a very significant sector for, for any economy, not just India. And the prominence will keep on growing because... Somewhere, this is a sector which is uh, made up of two wants. One, a person who needs a four-wheeler or a two-wheeler. And the second is a person who wants a two-wheeler and a four-wheeler. By that, I mean is for someone, it's important for his income-generating activity to either have a car or a two-wheeler. Whereas for someone else, it's more of an aspirational want. As he grows his income curve, he wants to invest in a car and move around in a car. That's how this sector is very interesting and it's very nuanced as a result because it is a mixture of a want and a need. And that's why probably, you know, when we look at the auto sector, it's very important when we think about evolution of an auto sector, it's important to look at what has happened in the last 15 years. And generally, one of the most important vectors where that drives auto sector globally is the prosperity in the economy and which is measured by GDP per capita. So if we look at the last 15 years, our India's GDP per capita has grown at about 7%, CAGR. Versus this, the passenger cars, which is the four-wheelers, that sector has compounded at almost 9%. Uh, in which volumes is, or in revenue? In volumes. In volumes, okay. So in value, it will be much more. Much more, obviously. Yeah. So in volumes itself, it has done more than the GDP per capita growth. And that is exactly what happens. Because as you keep growing up the value curve, there comes an inflection point after which your discretionary spend grows up far more in proportion than your rise in your income levels yeah. because you have more income to spend on your discretionary spends and i'm and sure this is not unique to india i mean all the emerging economies brazil south korea or e- even what we know as a developed countries the us or japan all of them have gone through the same phase right absolutely so actually to think of it we are the closest to china right and uh, china's last 15 years the gdp per capita has grown at 10% but the auto sector has grown at 15% wow so it's almost 1.5 times the growth in GDP per capita. Mm. And we are still way below that <laughs> yeah. threshold. Yeah. But so what the way to simply think about it is that if we look at the last 15 years, our GDP per capita has grown at 7%. With what is happening in this economy, we are moving faster on the growth path progressively over the last 15 years. Our pace of our speed of growth has kept on increasing gradually. And that's why we, there is a good reason to believe in the next 15 years, 
our growth rate in per GDP per capita will be even higher than 7%. Yeah. And the moment that happens, then a multiplier of what China is showing can easily be thrown at India as well. Yeah. And that's when your growth will go. Yeah, the inflection point that you speak of is really interesting, right? Because a lot of us have seen this. I get that half of India's population is less than 35 years old. So people don't even remember how things were before 1991. There was just the ambassador car and the Fiat, just two or three models. And then everything just blew up, right? Honda, Hyundai, all, all of them came in the, in the 90s. So that inflection point that you speak of, when the, the GDP per capita reaches that inflection point, I'm sure all of us, you know, over our careers of 25, 30 years would be buying at least two or three cars. Yes. We would like to move up, you know, I have a wagon R, I want to probably move up uh, to Baleno or to a Shiaz. So all of that, that's all part of this auto sector. Yes, absolutely. But however, everything is not hunky-dory. So when you look at 15 years, it gives mm. you a very, very sound idea of how what this sector has done and what potential it has. But however, we need to bear in mind, this is a cyclical sector. Because as I said, for some people, it is discretionary. As the economy slows down, this velocity also slows down. So just to put a case in point, when we talk about 15 years, let's take the time horizon a little bit shorter and let's look at the last five years. If you look at the last five years, the GDP per capita has actually grown at 6%. Mm. And so has the volumes. So at the same level. At the same level. Wow. Now, this yeah. is a very interesting economy nuance. that, And this happens across. It happens during earning multipliers. It happens during credit multipliers. It happens with velocity of discretionary spend. That up to a particular threshold of income growth, we behave very differently when it comes to everything. But the moment the growth level threshold raises its bar, the consumption pattern changes geometrically. Wow. Okay. That means to say that, say, if we are growing at 6%, the volumes are also growing at 6%. However, if we grow at 10%, our volumes will actually grow at 15%. Wow. Because there is a geometric progression right. that happens right. Right. when you go up that curve threshold. And so when we talk about the last five years, which has been not so great, and which is reflected by this multiplier that your GDP per capita grew at 6%, so did the volumes. There are a couple of reasons for that. One was economy has never seen a slowdown as long as this phase, which has lasted for almost 10 years. The corporate profitability of the Nifty 500, the top 500 companies in India has actually halved in the last 10 years. It used to be 5.5% of the GDP. Today, it is 2.3% or 2.8% of the GDP. Mm. Also, in this phase, we were also faced with high interest rates, which also makes an impediment because most of the people buy cars on loans. What are the numbers? There were 70 so Almost 80-80% of the cars are bought on All loans. Right. So, as interest rates go higher, there are people who push out their consumption and wait for the income levels to catch up and then they consume. The third is, which is more interesting and very specific to India, is what happens is that because our top 10 cities, like in every country, the Pareto works. Even in our country, the top Pareto captures fair share of the sales. Although there's no official estimate out there, but it would be anywhere between 30 to 40%. We don't know. With the top 10 cities which contribute to the sales volumes. Now in the top 10 cities, most of the cities are going through heavy infrastructure development. You talk about metros, you talk about flyovers, you talk about roads. And when this work begins, it creates a heightened congestion mm. in these cities. That also crowds out a person's desire to own a car because your traffic, your jams, your waiting time gets so much longer that you are then better off using an Uber or an Ola right. rather than owning a car yeah. because the roads are congested. But all these infrastructure development will have a logical end at some point, whether it's three years, five years, seven years, tough to call. Hmm. But when it happens, your roads start freeing up again. And then the aspiration which people had to 
you know buy a car as a status symbol of their living mm. then that aspiration will actually come back to its fore sure and people will actually start the top 10 cities who has the purchasing power they will start flexing that purchasing power in buying more cars and better cars okay can we go into the numbers in terms of where the sector is today how do you size up the entire opportunity so the opportunity remains absolutely abundant just to give you a very interesting uh, analogy it's easy to keep comparing ourselves to china because their population and our population is actually the same mm. and today china sells 2.5 crore cars and we sell 35 lakh cars wow so that china sells eight times more for the same population that we have today but however it's not a fair comparison because mm. china has progressed and has grown far ahead of us so it's fair to see where china was 15 years ago so actually india is where china was 15 years ago Wow. So China used to sell 35 38 lakh cars 15 years ago and what is but remarkable about this feature is that th- at that point of time China was 50% poorer than us oh and still they used to sell 35 lakh cars <laughs> and India today is technically 50% richer than China hmm. at that point of time but we sell time, still yeah. less cars yeah. to start with there's there a is gap. a there's a gap which is just apparent right there and it will even startle you even more if i tell you that in the last 15 years china volumes have grown at 15% wow even though the velocity even though they were purchasing more cars for their affordability back then yeah yeah they have still compounded at 15% for the last 15 years so wow. this just gives you a very easy very simple way of looking at it that what lies ahead of you hmm. if all falls in place if everything falls in place then we can easily grow far higher than that okay The second most obvious way of looking at it is the typical penetration numbers. Yep. So when you think about cars you have to think at a household level because in a family at best you will have one two or three or four cars. Yeah. So it's easy to think about penetration at a household level. In India about out of every 10 families only one family has a car. Mm. And this gets even more skewed when you go to a rural. Okay. In a rural out of every 10 families only 0.5 of you know one or two will be having a wow. car sure so so the penetration gap gets accentuated as you go down the rural because the rural gdp per capita is lower yeah. and urban gdp per capita is higher and this is where i explained to you that the multiplier increases yeah. as your gdp per capita goes above a particular threshold and this is what we will see and interestingly is all the developed markets out of every 10 families every 10 families will have a car that's what we call 100% penetration that's what we call 100% penetration versus 10% penetration <laughs> of india yeah. even if you look at china they are at 50% penetration wow so there is enough headroom there is enough leeway there is enough headroom for us to keep growing just given the under penetration is absolutely there sure okay shay so we've understood the penetration gap right i mean it's obviously quite large and there's a big room for growth there so what does this mean now going forward how do you size up the opportunity as i mentioned the sizing of the opportunity sometimes becomes very simple and very exuberant at the same time but you know many times it just becomes easier when you look at examples nearby let's assume what china is selling today 2 and a half crore cars in 15 years they got to that level let's assume we take 20 years to get to that level far more than china from 35 lakhs from 35 lakhs we will still grow at 11% Wow. Over the next twenty years, twenty years, and this is actually one of those few categories where your base effect can actually not work mm-hmm. against you. Yeah. Otherwise, generally, what happens in most of the categories, if you've grown in the last fifteen percent and nine percent, your next fifteen years, just by virtue of arithmetic, you want to be growing a little lower. Yeah. However, this is one category where I think there is a scope that 
your next 15 years growth could be actually higher than the last 15 years yeah. and uh, and it's entirely possible if the infrastructure is supported given the way the roads are getting built in the last 5 6 years mm. heightened focus on road building mm. heightened focus on people flexing their aspiration so i'm giving you one side of the story sure. but there are many ways that you can cut the story sure. the cut the penetration cut the need yeah. understand the, the 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 real value or the demand that's lying hidden but you will still come to a number which will be very close to the 10 to 11% and this will happen over the next 20 years so just imagine the level of compounding that itself the sector can give you but i get that you know a car is essentially an ownership item and we are living in 2019 where across the world the entire thing about shared mobility is taking a lot of attention there are a lot of people who now even believe that they don't want to own a car at all and uber or you know it's like you had said about traffic being so bad that why would anybody want to drive i'm sure that even for some of the big companies who sell cars uber ola has been one of the reasons why the growth has has gone up so let's just move towards the risk part are there any major changes in terms of i don't know maybe the way we are thinking about mobility maybe in terms of regulation that you feel could actually put a dent or at least might have a risk on this what seems to be a fairly certain 11% growth yeah so that's a good point anupam so shared mobility it's a recent phenomena we've just seen it happening in us just about 10 years ago uber in fact just got listed a couple of weeks ago but if you really think about it what is shared mobility shared mobility is earlier i was buying a car for myself now somebody is buying a car for many of me so i'm sharing that same vehicle with someone else but this feature has really is far more pronounced globally in the developed markets and even if that has happened we haven't seen global volumes decline in a very meaningful way they have declined but that could be because of economic reasons also but they have not declined so if the global volume growth of passenger cars is still at 2% which is in line with the global gdp growth yeah. so in some sense could this be a risk answer is yes but let's face it even a uber and a ola driver needs to buy a car correct correct so there will be a demand either from a segment of drivers or there will be a demand from a segment of consumers mm. but the fact is the demand for cars will not go away mm. however there is another risk which Uh, given that we are talking on risk we should be bear- bearing in mind as this sector is going through a lot of technological changes uh-huh. a lot of investments are going on electrification of mobility lot of uh, investments on autonomous driving self driving and cars have to become more safer and globally governments are becoming more and more pollution sensitive which means that your standards your cars have to become more and more cleaner as all of this happens the cost of owning a car will keep rising far faster than it has in the last 15 years and that could be the only bummer so when mm-hmm. although we talk about volumes in the la- in the next 15 years there is enough reason to believe it will be above double digits however there is a good chance if the cost inflation of these cars are higher the affordability will keep getting pushed out but again the the silver lining there is most of these aspirational demands is never destroyed mm. it gets pushed out mm. so if a car becomes very expensive i'll wait for my two year of income growth and after two year i'll buy a car what i was to buy today so it generally gets pushed up and bunched up into the future however this is a risk which we need to bear in mind when we are thinking over the next 5 years yeah i would have you know assumed that in the last 10 15 years also india cars you know uh, have gone from bharat stage 1 which in fact correspond to the global or the european euro 1 euro 2 norms we've also made a nice progress on yes. that front and 
I think it's probably to the credit to the of the manufacturers that they've either absorbed this entire cost of up, of upgradation because there is a cost to upgrading a car engine from a standard to a higher standard, and still the sales haven't really you know moved. Absolutely. Obviously, who knows how this pans out in the future? Absolutely, and you know, one today it's very difficult to put a cause and effect, but one one fact that would be worthwhile to note is actually if you see the entry segment cars, that segment has actually dropped by twenty five percent. Over the last five years, yeah. absolute volumes. I don't know whether it's because of shared mobility, because now the same population who earlier thought of buying a an Maruti Alto or a Swift uh, is now thinking, okay, instead of me buying that, let me be an Uber, Uber and Ola. Ola, and yeah. when my income level rises above a threshold, I will actually buy a better car. That's crazy. You're saying that entry level cars have dropped twenty five percent. I mean, at one point of time, I remember early two thousands or you know when we had first seen the GDP growth bump happen at that point of time. A car was your announcement of arrival into whatever you know. You you get a job, you get a car. It was so ingrained in us. And small cars used to be eighty percent of total volumes at that point of time. I mean, there there were brands that are iconic from that era, whether it's the Zen, whether it's the whether it's the Sandro, and these were huge names. Okay, these used to sell in large numbers annually. You're saying that that entry segment has actually shrunk. Absolutely, wow. it has shrunk by twenty five percent over the last seven to eight years, and still we have grown at six <laughs> percent. When you see the last five years, we've still grown at six percent, despite of a very large segment of these cars not growing. Yeah. So it's actually remarkable that how premiumization is taking up because people are buying less, sure. but people are buying far better. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, because you know, even uh, so, over the years, even the entry level car has become expensive. If you look at the higher segment, a Swift, for example, or Swift Desire, for example, and these are big selling cars. Are obviously much more sturdy, much more bigger than a you know uh, a Zen or at that point of time I, you know Maruti started with much smaller cars. So that's really interesting. Sure, fantastic. We've covered four wheelers. Okay, I want to get to two wheelers now because two wheelers by volumes is obviously much larger than four wheelers. It's also a fundamentally different uh, segment. You know, for example, for a lot of us now, a two wheeler is a necessity. I've heard of college kids. Whenever they they grow up, they just ask for it because you you just need it. A two wheeler is like freedom kind of thing. For some people, it's necessary. Uh, it's a mode of income also. You know, if if you're a delivery boy or something, it, it also goes into your wants and needs section. Let's go into two wheelers now. So two wheeler essentially, if you were to see, is whenever a country is below developed status, two wheeler is more relevant. The moment you move into a developed status. Cars become more relevant because your GDP per capita, your income levels rise to a level that people start aspiring for cars versus a two wheeler, and we are still in that journey. And that is why, although we sell one eighth the car volumes that China sells, but we sell the same volumes of bikes that China sells. Wow! So that <laughs> is the uh, amazing uh, you know feature yeah. of this industry. So if you look at the again, like cars have grown at nine uh, percent, so has two wheelers. The motorcycle and the scooter market mm. has also grown at almost uh, the same volume, the same vol, same growth rate over mm. the last fifteen years. Sure. So in the last fifteen years, your two wheelers and your four wheelers have grown at the same level. But in the next fifteen years, there's a good chance that because of the headroom yeah, yeah, yeah. that four wheeler offers, it can grow faster than the two wheelers. Yeah. And what is even more unique is today Indians are spending so much more. Today, an entry level bike may still cost you forty thousand rupees. Yeah. People spend that much on mobile phones, yeah. and we buy far more mobile phones. 
and change them much more often also. and we change them much more often <laughs> a bike actually lasts for 6 7 5 years and there is a resale value yeah. at the end of it also yeah. a phone there is no resale value there is very small resale yeah, value yeah, yeah, yeah. but people are spending much more on mobile phones so it's amazing how consumption pattern for that same category of spend is actually changing and that is why what is happening and other feature of two wheeler which differentiates itself from four wheeler is that the penetration in the rural side is much higher than the cars okay because it's a product which is meant for largely rural yeah. and the penetration in urban is very much pretty much there where it's supposed to be okay we are almost 80% penetrated in most of the families in the urban side so now what is happening is because of this higher penetration in urban now it's leading to the way of premiumization right. now in the urban a person is saying i bought an entry i bought a splendor i bought a passion mm. now i will buy a pulsar or i'll buy a royal enfield okay they okay. are premiumizing they are wow. spend because now they have penetrated with the first product right. so right. now the product upgrade cycle starts right. for them but in the rural there is still ample scope for this growth to kind of continue sure just one thing when we talk about risk as we spoke about risk in four wheeler yeah. although the risk exists there is one risk of electrification which is heightened over here Mm. because as you would have noticed couple of days ago in the newspaper government has actually officially announced that their intent is that every new two wheeler after 2025 they want it to be electric two wheeler and this will become a reality because electrifying a two wheeler is much easier easier correct than electrifying a car so this is something that you know probably could uh, decide a fate of many companies mm. when you think about two wheeler in the as a as a context sure okay shri so we've covered four wheelers we've covered two wheelers we've covered the size of the opportunity the size of the sector the way that we buy how now you know now that we're in the final part of the episode is the main question how do we choose a great automobile company to invest in and, and again out here we're talking about passenger uh vehicles and two wheelers you know the interesting part is if you just think of it very simplistically again i'm going to just give you a certain rule books which probably will help you decide better the first and foremost important thing is when you're spending it's a big spend for anybody buying a car or buying a two wheeler so what matters what matters is two things i need a good brand so that i can trust my money with that brand and second i need a good distribution so that if i ever i have a problem with my bike or my car i can easily find a way to fix it so a brand a strong brand and a strong distribution is probably an absolute must the second thing because as we mentioned one of the biggest risk in both the categories is turning out to be the technological advancement that is happening mm. we will innovate far more in the next 15 years than we ever have in the last 15 years in specifically in the auto sector sure and given that this wave of innovation is coming you want to invest in a company who has the willingness to invest mm. and ability to invest and who has a cost advantage because each of this technological advancement will come with a higher cost sure and only a manufacturer who already has a strong manufacturing base can make sure that they can manufacture the new technologically advanced products at a low cost of price yeah. and as a result become stay relevant for an indian consumer because we are very value conscious and lastly given that the point 2 of the ability to invest sure. which emanates from profits so actually only those companies who are making money today mm. will actually have that wherewithal to invest for the future and as a result a strong profit pool today of a company itself can become a moat itself 
फॉर दिस कंपनीज सो देर आर कंपनीज टूडे इन दिस सेक्टर वेर दे मे बी हैविंग फिफ्टी परसेंट मार्केट शेयर बट इन द प्रॉफिट पुल दे मे बी हैविंग एटी परसेंट मार्केट शेयर सो द रिमेनिंग प्लेयर्स मे नॉट बी एबल टू इवन इन्वेस्ट हाफ एज मच एज दिस कंपनी और वन ऑफ टू दी वन ऑफ टू और थ्री ऑफ दीज कंपनीज कैन एक्चुअली इन्वेस्ट टू स्टे अड ऑफ दर्स कंपनी कम्स आउट विद न्यू प्रोडक्ट विद हायर टेक्नोलॉजी द कॉस्ट माइट ऑलमोस्ट विद द सेम और दे माइट बी नॉट मच ऑफ डिफरेंस एब्सोलूटली and also what is happening is globally this technology is moving from you know we will talk a lot more about hybrid technology we will talk about a lot more about uh, electrifying uh, vehicles in the next 15 years and these technologies take lot of time to build mm. so you need to also have a way of making sure that you can incubate or you can partner with the people who have these technologies to take benefit of being there at the right time with the right product in front of the customer so they can fulfill an aspiration of for him sure okay so i'm just going to recap that for the listeners at how do you choose a good four wheeler or a two wheeler company to invest your money in first what she said was it should have a strong brand fantastic distribution that's always important because if your car or or your bike gets spoiled you, you will look out for the first after sale service point as the first one the second is the technology right this is going to become more important than in the next 10 to 15 years the company's ability to invest and the cost advantage obviously if you're selling 1 million vehicles your cost advantage is going to be much more than the guy who's selling half a million vehicles right and the third is profitability which itself uh, becomes a more because like what what tray said for the guy who's selling 1 million he might have just a 50% share by volumes but if he has an 80% share of the profit pool the next guy is just not going to be able to compete with that and that's a wrap on this episode of the equity sahi hai podcast brought to you by motilal oswal asset management company i'm your host anubhav gupta b50 on twitter my guest was shelunkar fund manager pms at motilal oswal asset management company thank you so much for joining us and if you enjoyed listening to the podcast do check out other podcasts on the ivm podcast network India's a massive subcontinent home to truly stunning diversity. Behind the veils of smoke that obscure our thriving cities, our history is still alive, glimmering like sequins waiting to be discovered. And if you, like me, are straining to hear the echoes of our past, this podcast is for you. I'm Anirudh Kanisetti, a history and geopolitics researcher, and I host Echoes of India. a history podcast about india by indians and for indians in echoes we journey through the complex histories of south asia and what they can teach us about our globalized world tune in every wednesday on ivmpodcast.com or your favorite podcast app Hi I'm Ronnie Scrooalum and uh, you've been listening to my podcast in the multiple chapters of my book Dream with your eyes open and I think to that I've had good chats here and I think chapter 13 in my book is all about Q&As and I'm sure there are more Q&As happy to answer them so send them in and happy to have a dialogue with you on that So if you'd like to ask Ronnie a question send it to us at dreaming@ivmpodcast.com if selector will read out your question on the last episode and have Ronnie answer it you can also send a question to us on social media at ivmpodcast on Facebook Twitter and Instagram